Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Kyle Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. Well, I want to welcome everyone today, uh, all those joining us in-house. Man, so good to have you worshiping King Jesus Together, also want to give a big shout out to all those watching online, along with all the men and women in our correctional ministry in over 400 prisons in 49 states, just in our country, but also in the country of Belize and the Belize Central Prison. We love you guys. Come on, D Town. Help me welcome our church family today. So good. So good. Well, today we are in week number two of a series that we kicked off last week called Heart and Soul. And really the kind of the big idea behind this series is that we would take a couple weeks and we would talk about and we would deal with some things that that aren't necessarily happening around us, but they're happening on the inside of us that that maybe can get overlooked or, or maybe they're just not the easiest to address, and our theme scripture for this entire series is this incredible prayer that that King David prayed that, that ultimately changed his life and his relationship with God forever. And so let's take a look at it together. It's found in Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. And David prayed this, he said, "'Search me, O God.'" Man, how many know that's a powerful prayer right off the gate? Like, I'm gonna let you in. I'm gonna let you into the depths of who I am. I'm gonna let you into that place I don't let anybody into, that place I kinda cover up and hide and, and kinda lock nice and tight like a vault. I don't let anybody into that place. And David has this courage to say, search me, oh God, and know my heart, the core of who I am. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, those, those places of my soul that are struggling, my, my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions. And then he says, point out anything in me that offends you, God. And that word offends literally means it, it doesn't belong. Like, like it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be in my heart, God. Point out anything in me that doesn't belong and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, now remember when, when David writes this psalm, when he, he prays this prayer, he has a lot of things happening in his life. He, he, people are attacking him. He's, he's being falsely accused and he's, he's facing a ton of adversity in his life. And yet in the midst of it all, he has the awareness to, to say, I, I realize not everything that I'm going through is happening from the outside in. Like how many years ago, I'd love to be able to blame all my problems on everybody else. But yet David has the awareness to say, you know what, I realize that some of the things that I'm struggling with in my life are happening from the inside out. In other words, there's some places in my heart and in my soul, there's some things in my heart and soul that don't belong, that shouldn't be there, God. And I need your help in order to deal with them. I need your help in order to get free from some of the things that are on the inside of me. And that's what this series is really 
all about. And last week, we talked about the restless soul. If you didn't get a chance to be here with us, I'd recommend you go back to our website, through our app, YouTube, Facebook, and watch that message. And today, I want to just continue on. The title of the message today is The Heavy Heart. The heavy heart. And let me ask all of us a question today. Have you ever had something that you were excited about? You were looking forward to? You you even had some high expectations for it. But then when it finally happened, it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. And it didn't turn out the way maybe you had hoped. Anybody ever experienced that? I experienced this 16 years ago on my honeymoon. Um... How many of us know I just entered really dangerous territory? Like, like fellas, I don't recommend this. This is what the Bible calls foolishness, but, but I'm going to try and navigate through it just, uh, just as best I can. In fact, let me just say, we, honey, we, me and my wife Justina experienced this 16 years ago on our honeymoon. We, we decided to go to Jamaica for our honeymoon, and, and we did all the research. We found this all-inclusive resort uh, in Jamaica. We even found it, it located in a kind of more secluded part of the island in, in a place called Negril. And so uh, we were excited. As you can imagine, we were looking forward to it. We had some high expectations, and we had an incredible wedding and got married in Springfield, Missouri. And ate dinner after, after the dinner and after the wedding. We drove a few hours to Kansas City where we stayed the night in the hotel and then we got up super early the next morning and we flew uh, all the way over to Montego Bay, Jamaica, which is where you land. And then we had, we had another like five hour van ride. I say van, like no air conditioning, just van ride. We are not in the United States anymore. And so we had this van ride because all the roads in Jamaica, I, think, I feel like there's just one road that just goes around the perimeter of the island. Like there's nothing that cuts through, and so it takes forever to go anywhere. So, so we went five hours to this, this resort, but we finally get there, and we're exhausted, and we're tired, and we walk in, and this place is amazing, but something you need to know about this resort is there's basically like three levels or three tiers uh, of rooms or packages that you can purchase while you stay there. And so there's the, the top package, like the Cadillac version was like the beachfront property. Like that's, that's where like your room had a front porch, you walked out the front door, you're on the beach, there's the ocean, amazing. And that was like the most expensive. Then there was the ocean view where you, you're kind of a little farther back in the, in the resort, right? You, can, you, you don't have the, the porch, but you can kind of see it if you look out your window, there, there's the ocean over there. And that's kind of the middle tier. But th- then the, the cheapest package was the jungle hut, right? And, and this, is, this is like way back in the, in the jungle in the back part of the resorts, and, and me and Justina thought, you know what, let's save a few dollars. We're already gonna be there. Like, if we wanna go see the ocean, let's just take the, the minute walk through the, the resort. We'll go see it. We're gonna be there for a week. We don't need to spend all the money. We don't need to be a, have a beachfront. And so, so we walk in, we're checking into the, the resort, and they give us a map. How many of us know that, was my, that should have been my first clue? <laughs> Like, like I, there's a map to this, like, and, and then when we followed the map, we didn't go, we didn't go towards the ocean. We went away from it. Like all the nice part of the resort up here, we didn't go that. We went away from it, walked all the way back to the very edge of the property where there's this fence to keep the locals out. I mean, another good sign, right? And there's the, the, the road. I'll never forget the road of uh, all the locals. They had speakers on the outside. They were advertising as they drive down the road. It was loud. And there's a sidewalk right 
right by the fence, like separating us and danger. And we're walking alongside this, this uh, uh, sidewalk. And there we walk in, there is our jungle hut. And so we walk into this thing. There's no air conditioning. It's July in Jamaica. And no, I guess the Jungle Hut package did not come with AC. We walk in and even the windows uh, on the room that, that had no glass or no screens, all they had was the wooden shutters, right? Which allowed jungle life to participate and be a part of your experience. And I'll never forget, we walked in the room. I think we lasted 45 minutes in that room, maybe, maybe Maybe 40 minutes and we were back up to the the front desk and we paid a lot of money but we upgraded at least give us the ocean view or something, something with windows glass and an AC and but I'll never forget when we walked into that room and we stood there I mean we're exhausted we're tired we've been traveling all day long we had all, all these high expectations and hopes and we're looking forward to it and all of a sudden we were disappointed we were discouraged even a little depressed like this is not not how I thought. This is not how I envisioned it. This is not a great start to our, our honeymoon, but I just remember being disappointed and, and I thought to myself, you know what, that's how some of us can feel in life. That we, that we thought life was gonna go a certain way and when it didn't turn out like, like we thought it would and it wasn't, it's not going the way that we had hoped it would go, it, it leaves us feeling disappointed and discouraged. And I think, I think if we live in that place long enough, that place of discouragement, that place of disappointment, there can be a heaviness that starts to, to grow on the inside of our hearts. In fact, I think a lot of us can't even really put our finger on it because there's nothing really wrong in our lives, but, but nothing's just right either. And we can even have a lot of stuff. We can even have a lot of things. And yet how many of us know we can still have a dissatisfaction on the inside of us? Saying to ourselves, man, I just, I know there's more to this life than what I'm living. And there can, there can be a lack of joy and a lack of hope and a lack of faith. And we can feel like, man, I'm just kind of going through the motions of life. I'm just, I'm just kind of surviving. And we might have a, a heaviness on the inside of us. And the good news is if we do feel like this today, that, that we're not alone. In fact, the Bible actually addresses a heaviness that can happen on the inside of us. I want to take a look at it. It's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And we'll start out in, in verse 10. The writer of Ecclesiastes makes this statement. He says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my what? I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Then I want us to notice what, what he says in verse 17 because some of us can find ourselves in a similar place where we're smiling on the outside but we're struggling on the inside. Verse 17, he said, so I hated life. 
And some of us might say, well, that seems a little extreme. Yeah, but if you stay in that place of disappointment and discouragement and depression long enough, this is how you'll start to feel when you look around at your life. Even some of us here today or watching online might say, you know, I'm trying to have a positive attitude. I'm trying to, to pray. I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm trying to have a godly perspective. But if I'm really honest, as I look around at what I'm going through and what's happening in my life, the truth is, this is how I feel. I'm looking around and I hate what I'm going through. I hate how my life's turned out. I hate what's happening all around. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous. And that word grievous actually means disappointed, discouraged, depressed. The work that was done under the sun was discouraging. It was disappointing. It was depressing because it was depressing to me because all of it was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I think the truth is, I know that's a little heavy, but we are talking about the heavy heart today. I think a lot of people can go through life giving themselves everything their eyes desire and it still doesn't satisfy the longing in our hearts. And maybe some of us can, can relate today. We, we tried possessions. We tried the vacation. We've tried the relationships and, and we haven't get, we've given ourselves everything that we wanted, but yet we still find ourselves saying we're not satisfied with life. That there's got to be more to this life than what I'm living. Now, what's interesting about the writer of Ecclesiastes is that the guy who wrote the book is a guy by the name of Solomon, who was known as the wisest and the richest person to ever live in the history of, we thought Bill Gates had a lot of money, no, a lot of money, no, Solomon had more, right? Had more power, more possessions, more wisdom, more riches, he had, like, he bought it, he tried it, he had it, he did it, and yet he made this statement when I sur surveyed all that I had, he said it was meaningless. It was a chasing after the wind. It was, it was temporary. It, it didn't give me what I thought it was going to give me. And then he makes this statement that, that we read. He says, he says it became meaningless. He, he gives us some insight, I think, into why life can become meaningless. And that's when he made this statement because everything he did was done under the sun. I want us to grab a hold of that thought under the sun because a lot of, I think a lot of people try to get through life by trying to become satisfied, become happy, and to become fulfilled by focusing on everything under the sun, earthly things, temporary things. And Solomon said, when I did this, it left me discouraged, disappointed and even depressed. It was pointless. I realized I took all that time, energy, effort, and resource going after something that was never gonna give me what I was looking for. I was chasing a mirage and it left, it actually took more than it gave me. And as we talk about the heavy heart today, I'll, let me just, I, I think there are some characteristics. I think there are some attributes that kind of can come with a, a, a heavy heart. And I think there are some things that we can even say that, that maybe show us that how many of us out of, out of the mouth, the heart speaks, right? Sometimes I don't realize what's in my heart, but if I'll just look at some of the things that I say, then I can realize the condition of my heart. So let me just give us three things that, that we might say when we have a, a heavy heart. The, the first thing, if you're taking notes, that, that we might say is, I'm frustrated. 
I'm frustrated. And how many of us know that frustration a lot of times can, can come out in the form of anger? Like that's how it's expressed a lot of times. I'm frustrated and then if you're anything like me, I found myself getting angry at things that I really shouldn't be getting angry about. Like they're even the littlest things. I'm just getting, I'm frustrated. I'm walking throughout my day. I'm frustrated. My heart's heavy. I'm getting upset. I'm getting angry about things that really aren't that big of a deal. But the truth is, as I recognize it, I'm realizing, man, there's some heaviness going on on the inside of my heart. There's some weightiness and I'm just frustrated. I'm walking throughout my day and I'm just frustrated. Solomon felt this exact same way. Take a look at what he said in, in the first chapter of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 he said life is useless all useless how <laughs> I many know Solomon's having one of them days pointless this is stupid useless dumb you spend your whole life working laboring and and what do you have to show for it nothing right Generations come and generations go, but the world just stays. Can you hear the frustration in Solomon's voice? I'm just frustrated, man. It's just the same thing over and over. It's pointless, it's useless. I put all my energy and time and effort into going just pointless. And, and we can find ourselves with this heavy heart and it expresses itself through frustration. The, the, the second thing that, that we might say when, when we have a heaviness going on on the inside of us is, Man, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm just, I'm worn out. And isn't it interesting that two most common responses when you ask someone how they're doing is I'm busy and I'm tired. How you doing, man? I'm busy. How you, I'm tired. How many of those two things oftentimes go together? I'm busy and I'm tired. And we can be emotionally exhausted. I mean, we can be mentally exhausted worn out. See, that's a tired on the inside. I'm not even talking about a physical tired. I know that can happen, but when you're tired emotionally, when you're tired mentally, how I many know that's a whole nother level of exhaustion? That's a whole no, another uh, level of weariness. No, man, I'm tired in my heart. I'm worn out in my soul. And, and Solomon said it like this in Ecclesiastes chapter one, verses five through eight. He said, the, the sun still rises and it still goes down. Every river flows into the sea. Then the water returns to where the river began and starts all over again. And he makes the statement of verse eight, everything leads to weariness. Isn't that interesting? Because I think sometimes we can look at the same thing he's looking at and get a whole, have a whole different perspective. Yet in his, his heaviness of his heart, in his, his weariness and his being tired, he looks at those things and he's, his conclusion is everything leads to weariness. A weariness too great for words. I thought, man, maybe, maybe Solomon's not, not just describing himself. Maybe he's describing some of us today. I love sometimes how the word of God puts in perspective what we're feeling in our hearts. And to put it to, into maybe modern day terms, we just go through the same routine over and over and over and we're tired and we're worn out and there's a weariness on the inside of us. Then the third thing, and I think the maybe the, the more common thing that we might say when there's a heaviness on the inside of us is I'm unfulfilled. I'm just... I'm unfulfilled. What I, what I thought was going to fulfill me is still leaving me empty on the inside. 
Solomon said this in, in Ecclesiastes chapter one, verses eight through nine. He said, no matter how much we see, we're just never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're, we're just not content. History merely repeats itself. We're unfulfilled and we're empty on the inside. Now, now if we can relate at all to this, I, I, wanna, I wanna give us some good news today because the reality is that that we either are feeling like this, we've had moments in our life where we felt like this, or there's some things we're gonna face in the future where we're gonna feel like this. Oh, pastor, can't you be more positive? Absolutely, I'm positive we're either feeling like this, we've had some moments in our life where we felt like this, or in the future, there's gonna be some times where, you know what, I just feel like this. I look around at my life and I'm just, I'm hating what I'm, where I'm at. I'm hating where I'm, what I'm seeing. I'm hating my job, I'm hating my relationship. I'm hating where my life, it's not giving me what I, thought it was going to give to me. And if that's the case, then I wanna give you guys something that, that God kind of downloaded to me and opened my eyes to several years ago. And it's found in a, in a passage of scripture that was written by the apostle Paul, who was the opposite of Solomon. Like he didn't have anything. Where Solomon had everything, all the riches, all the wisdom, all the power, all the influence, Paul was the opposite of Solomon. He didn't have anything. In fact, if someone's life wasn't working out very well, not going the way they had hoped or thought it was gonna go, it would have been the apostle Paul because every place he went, he was either beaten, he was imprisoned for his faith. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails, the same whip that, that whipped Jesus. He was whipped five times by the cat of nine tails. He was shipwrecked. Everywhere he went, it was just one thing after another. The Bible says he was stoned and, and it wasn't from something that he smoked. People actually threw rocks at him and tried to kill him. Come on, lighten up a little bit, right? Yet, yet he, he's gone through everything. He's gone through shipwrecks and beatings and people threw rocks at him to try and kill him. And he was imprisoned for doing the right thing. He was imprisoned for his faith and he's going through all this hardship and heartache. I mean, it's one thing to, to go through some consequences when you do something wrong, but it's a whole nother thing to walk through some consequences when you're doing something right. And he, he's going through one thing after another. Life's not going the way he wanted it to go. And yet he, he still makes this, this statement and it's my hope for us today is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And he makes a statement in verse 16. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Hold up, pause there. Wouldn't all of us like to be able to say this? That regardless of what's happening around us, regardless of the economy, regardless of our job, regardless of our bills, regardless of the, other, the way other people treat us, regardless of anything else, we would never become hopeless because we would never lose heart. Now, what's the secret to this, this statement, Paul? And how, how did Paul get to this place in his heart and soul after everything that he had been through? He's been through hell and back, and yet he makes this. How do you get there, Paul? Well, verse 15 says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. Hold up. How many of us know there was nothing light and momentary about the troubles that Paul was going through, about the troubles that he was facing, but because of the truth he encountered, 
They felt that way to him. He said, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs. Everybody say outweighs. That far outweighs them all. Paul tells us that the secret to solving our problems and the issues that are happening on the inside of our hearts isn't actually to try and solve our problems. He's, he's, he don't go on this witch hunt of trying to solve all your problems and fix everything that's happening in you because how many of us know life happens? And as soon as you fix one thing, there's something else you gotta deal with. And then there's something else you gotta deal with, right? I tell our, our church staff all the time, like we, we fix this problem, I go on to the next problem, right? On now, then we're working. That's how life is. It's just one problem and that's okay. But, but, but Paul's given us this secret that, that really, that if you wanna solve our problems, we don't need to focus on our problems. We need to find something that's bigger than our problems. But Paul's saying, I have just as many issues as everybody else, but the difference is that he has found something in his life that outweighs those issues. In other words, Paul, Paul found something to focus on that was bigger than his problems. And he says in verse 18, he says, so what do we do? So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I just want to suggest to us today one, one simple thought that I think can change all of our lives in the way that we live, and that is instead of living with our eyes completely focused on everything this earth has to offer, the things Solomon said were under the sun and that became meaningless and a chasing after the wind, the things that were temporary, what if we lived with our focus being on what's eternal? The difference would be that it would outweigh every problem that we face. And we would find ourselves in this place where regardless of what's happening around us, all of us would never lose heart. Now, I, I love practical Christianity, which means, man, that sounds really good, pastor, but how do I apply it to my life? In other words, does it pass the who cares test? Like we talked about it on Sunday, but, but as a pastor, who cares test, meaning can we apply it to our lives on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday? How do I apply this truth and this reality to my life so that I can see the fruit and the benefits of it? And so let me just give us four things that we can do to make us more eternally focused than temporary focused and find some things that outweigh the issues in our hearts. And what you're gonna find is we're gonna kind of drift away from even talking about a heavy heart. We're gonna drift away from even talking about being unfulfilled and frustrated and tired. Why? Because we're gonna fix our eyes on what is eternal, not what is temporary. And so the first thing that we can do to, to apply it to our lives and, and find something that would outweigh the, the issues of a heart, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first thing that we can do is pray. Now, I know, I know it sounds a little basic, but let me kind of unpack this because prayer is one of the greatest ways to help us be eternally minded rather than temporary focused if we'll pray the way the Bible teaches us to pray. And I love what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter three, verses one through two. He made this statement. Let's take a look at it. Verse one, he says, since then, 
You have been raised with Christ. Since you've encountered the cross, since you've experienced his love, since you've bowed your heart before heaven and you've entered into this relationship with God, here's my life, God. I've been trying to do life my way, but I realize that life is found in a relationship with you. God, I wanna know you. I wanna encounter you. Since you have been raised with Christ and you've encountered the life that he has for you, now your next step is set your hearts. Got some heaviness, got some frustration, got some weariness going on on the inside, got some unfulfillment. Life's not going the way that, that maybe we had hoped or thought it was going to go. Set your hearts on, not on the, the things under the sun, but on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. How many know our hearts and our minds oftentimes go together? As a man thinks, as a person thinks, so they become, right? So instead of, instead of coming to God in prayer and telling him all about the problems here on earth, and don't get me wrong, God, God wants us to bring our petitions before him. He does care about what we, we care about. He, he wants to know what's, what's going on. He, he wants us to bring those things to him, but, but the real, come on, catch this, the real secret of prayer is that it's a process. Everybody say process. In fact, I would define prayer as the process where heaven becomes our reality. Prayer is a process, a process where heaven becomes our reality. Prayer really isn't about informing God about everything that's happening on earth. You know why? How many of us know? He already knows what's happening here. You're not telling him anything he doesn't already know. Prayer is the process where we're able to come before the creator of the universe and dump some of the things that are causing a heaviness on our hearts. Here's my frustration, God. Here's my weariness. Here's my unfulfillment. Prayer is a process where I can come and I can dump the things of this earth before him and I can pick up a new attitude. I can pick up a new perspective. I can pick up a new way of thinking and I can get a new heart. That's what prayer's a process where all of a sudden heaven becomes my reality. Heaven becomes the way I see things. Remember earlier with Solomon, we, we read about how he's describing the river and all that. And he's like, it's, it's weariness. How many know when I have a heavenly perspective, I can look at those things and I can see the beauty in them. I can see the truth in them. My perspectives change, my attitude. How many know I can look at the same problems in my life that used to frustrate me, used to wear me out, used to bring unfulfillment, and I can look at those with a heavenly perspective and I can have a strength on the inside of my heart. There's an exchange that happens. Prayer's a process where, where heaven becomes our reality. And isn't that kind of what worship does too? We come into this place every Sunday and, and maybe we walk in with our, our hearts heavy with the cares and the worries of this world and, and our problems can seem pretty big and our God can seem a little distant and far off and maybe a little small. But as we worship, as we declare the praises of our King, come on, as we just, you're too good not to believe. I've seen cancer. I've seen prodigals. I've seen, I've seen addicted set for, I've seen you move God. You're too good to not believe. All of a sudden this process changes changes a little bit and all of a sudden my God gets really big and my problems get really small, right? This process happened. You guys remember the, the old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus? Look, stop yourself. Stop it right now. That was, that was perfect timing. 
Respect, respect. <laughs> it's like you've been waiting the whole service for that. One moment. I will not sing it. God's moving in this service. I don't want to quench the spirit. But turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Right? But what, what does it say? The, and the things of earth will grow. It's a process. The things of earth will grow. They'll start to change. I mean, it's a process. Things grow. It takes time, right? You don't just plant seed and go back an hour later. Where's the tree at? No, it's a process. But the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And turn our, our eyes. I'm just calling experienced church to a whole new level of prayer that we would no longer accept the world's reality as our reality. Have we ever just looked at our situation and said, you know what, no more. I'm not, I'm not laying down. No, there's, God, you can move. I trust you. I'm going to turn my eyes upon you. Yes, you can. Yes, you can heal my marriage. Yes, you can bring fulfillment in my heart. Yes, you can bring those prodigal sons and daughters back. Yes, you can heal my body. Yes, you can. I'm not accepting this reality, God. You change everything. How do know we need a heavenly mindset? We need God's perspective so that, so I just want to challenge, let me say, let's make every effort to get back to a place where prayer is a priority and not a priority of us just going to tell him everything wrong in our lives. Let me get back to the priority of the process of prayer where heaven becomes my reality, right? So I can have what? An eternal focus, not a temporary one. There's a shift that needs to take place. The second thing that, that we can do to, to be, be focused on what is eternal, not, is, not temporary, the second thing we can do is serve. Serve. Did you know that serving is one of the greatest things that we can do to be eternally minded? Because we're getting outside of ourselves and everything that we're dealing with and we're making a difference in the world around us. And can I just, can I just take a moment and honor our dream team, all those who do such an incredible job serving here at Experience Church. Come on, can we love on them? Whether you're sitting behind the camera, whether you're investing in the next generation, in our kids' ministry, whether you're out in the parking lot being that smiling face as people walk in, whether you're leading a small group, and whatever capacity you're serving in here at Experience Church, I want you to know that you are our heroes, that we, we could not do what God is doing. I mean, together, together we can make an impact in this community and this nation and this world and beyond. Let me just tell you something about our dream team. Let me tell you something about our volunteers around here. Those who, who worship one service and then they, 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 they serve during a service. Th those who come to church for both services every weekend and they worship one and they serve one. You, you, can, go, you can go ask them this and they'll tell you this. And that is the service that they served at was just as, if not more meaningful than the service they attended. You know why? Because they weren't just receiving, they weren't just getting, they were giving, they were serving. And it's at that point when we're doing something significant for someone else that the eternal becomes our focus. How many know when we're serving coffee, it's more than coffee, right? 
that somebody new walking into these, this building can, can feel loved, can feel welcome. Hey, man, this is your home. This is your place. We love you. We believe in you. Come on, that could, that could be, a, you, walk, you ever walk into a new church and you're kind of a little, the defenses are up a little bit. And you're like, I don't know. I've heard about experienced church. They get a little crazy. They kind of dance around there. I don't know what's happened. They lift their hands. They actually sing with worship. It's crazy what's happening in that, that mall. A little on edge, right? But... But as you just a uh, smiling face, hey, how are you? Let me get to know you. It's more than just making coffee, making an internal impact. I'm seeing beyond and maybe someone's heart softened as they walk in and then they can, why is it dark in here? So people can come in here. We can stop focusing on everybody else and let's focus on the one who, who heals, the one who saves, the one who, let me focus on King G. Let me encounter him today. And that's, that's why Jesus said this in John chapter six, verse 27. He said, do not work for food that spoils. Don't just settle for putting all of your energy into something that eventually fades away, but work for food that endures to eternal life. The, 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 the secret to serving is that our lives are impacted just as much or even more than those we're serving. I, I want you to know that I'm not encouraging us to serve because we need you to serve around here at Experience Church. And if you don't serve, man, the church isn't gonna make it. That's not, why, that's not the case at all. In fact, the, the, the reality is, don't take this the wrong way, we, we actually don't need you to serve, but we'd be better with you. We'd be better with you, but the real motivation for me telling us or asking or encouraging us to serve is for you. Because I realize we actually get more than we even give. I was, I was reminded, uh, even this, this weekend, I was just thinking about our dream team, and I, I was reminded of, of Cheryl, who uh, actually called her, and I just asked if I could kind of share just a little bit of her, her story, but um, I, I forget because I don't, even, I don't even spend such a long time, and, and God's done such a huge work in her heart, but, but 10 years, almost 10 years ago, she became a widow at a young age, lost her soulmate, lost her best friend, how I many you know that, that could cause some heaviness on the inside of your heart? All of a sudden, you can find yourself, this isn't what I thought life was gonna be. This is how I saw things going. This, this is what I hoped for. I was, and all of a sudden, and I thought we were gonna spend the rest of our lives together and this was my best friend. And then all of a sudden, I'm in this place where he's gone and what do I do? And you can imagine the heaviness and the, and the hurt and the pain. And, and her testimony is, as she went to God for comfort and for healing, one of the steps she took was to start serving. See, she leads our hospitality team. She's been pouring back. She leads a, a grieving small group. She's come alongside other women who have gone through issues and problems. What, what has she done? She's got, her testimony is God began to do a healing work in her heart as she started to serve and come alongside others who found themselves in a similar place. Actually, it was the serving that brought healing into her heart and the heaviness that, that she was feeling. She got outside of herself, started helping others, and God began to do something on the inside of her. And guess what? It doesn't mean, her problems didn't go away. The pain didn't go away. The hurt, what happened? She found something that was starting to outweigh those things. She found something that was heavier and weightier than the heaviness in her heart. And she found purpose and meaning and healing in serving. I'm, I'm talking a long time. Just want you to know I'm kind of going off a little over time today, so we're gonna, we're gonna go. The third thing that we can do, y'all are getting me fired up. I'm just saying the third thing that, 
that we can do. You got time? Hey, push back second service. We don't care. Should have came to the first one, right? The early bird gets the worm and the blessing. Forget, cancel second service. We're just staying. We're not going anywhere. Heck no, we won't go. All right, we're getting really. The third thing that we can do, stop, drop the shovel. The third thing that we can do, people, is number three is we can give. We can give. Giving is truly one of the greatest ways to keep our focus and our perspective on the eternal instead of the temporary. I'm just gonna be speak from my own personal life. The more stingy, and I think one of the reasons God gave me my wife Justina was to help me not be stingy. Can I just confess that to you today? Honestly, she does, and I'm joking, but I'm really not, honestly. Because I, could, I, could, I had that tendency just to, I don't know, I didn't grow up with a lot, and, and neither did she, but she's better than me and, and in this area. But man, I can have that tendency just to keep, right? What's crazy is the more I kind of just keep what I have, the more temporary focused I become. And, and actually, the more un, unfulfilled I am. The more like, wow, I'm, I'm missing it because, because giving is, is one of the greatest ways to keep our focus and our perspective on the eternal. Isn't it true that most people use their everyday stuff for everyday things, but God wants us to use our stuff to make an eternal difference in the world around us. Psalms 112 verse nine says this, they share freely and get, who's they? Experienced church. They share freely and give generously to those in need. How many know it's intentional? How many giving is intentional? It's not by accident. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. I've heard it said that, how many we can't take it with us when we die, but we can send it on ahead of us. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. And when I say give, I'm actually not really talking about money. I'm actually not even talking about the tithe and, 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 and returning the 10% back to God that, that he is told us and commanded us to do. I'm actually not even talking about the tithe because I would say that tithing is not even really generosity or giving. The Bible classifies tithing as returning. I'm just returning what God entrusted to me. I'm actually talking about after we tithe, after we return, then we can move into the level of generosity that God wants us to move in. That after I've tithed, I can look at what's in my hand and I can say, God, how do you want me to use what you've entrusted to me to make a difference in the world around me? What can I do with my resources? What can I do with my car? What can I do with my house? What can I do with my pool? What can I do with my time and my efforts and my energy? Whatever, whatever it is, God, whatever it takes to do something significant for someone else. And I just want to encourage us today that we would live a life of generosity. We live a generous life. I was talking with one couple just this past week who have literally used their house and their pool and their resources for the past 15 years for ministry. They've opened up those things for other people to use. They've allowed people into their home who needed a place to stay until they were able to get, their, get back upon their feet and they've leveraged what they had to do something significant for somebody else. They've lived a life. They've lived a life of, of generosity. So I wanna challenge us to, to be more eternally minded than ever before, that we would pray and make 
make heaven our reality, that we would serve and do something significant for someone else, that we would be generous with our lives, not just in church, but every place we go. And then finally, the, the, the fourth thing that, that we, can, we can do is that we can, number four, share Jesus. Come on, share Jesus. I heard a, a staggering statistic, you know, um, don't know how valid it is, but they said uh, 25% of, of, only 25% of Christians actually share their faith outside the church. 75% of Christians come in on Sunday, but then they walk out the doors and they never share their faith with somebody else. They never pray for somebody. They never say, hey, there's a reason why I have this joy. There's a reason why I have peace. And I'm just telling you, there is a mandate from heaven for us to go beyond. I mean, real ministry starts when we leave, not when we come in. That I would go beyond these walls and I would share, man, there, I mean, if there's a gift that you've been given, we gotta share with the world around us. Like if we really believe heaven and hell are our reality and that people are really going there, then I think we need to do whatever we can possibly do to help people know God and experience the abundant life that he's given to us. T to not do that would be either to ignore or forget the mission that God has given to each and every one of his followers, which is to, to give what we've been giving, to go into this world and tell people about a God who saves, a God who heals, a God who delivers, and a God who sets free. And I just wanna encourage us today to pray, to serve, to give, but, but to share. I know God's called us to be a witness. Well, what's a witness do in a court of law? Maybe you don't know. I've had firsthand experience. <laughs> a witness just tells their side of the story. How many know God's not called us to go in the world and be the judge? He's not called us to go in the world and be a prosecutor. He's called us to go into the world and be witnesses. And just tell, here's, my, here's what God did for me, man. Here's, what he, here's how he loved me. Yeah, but what about the great tribulation? Listen. All I can tell you is what I experienced. Yeah. That was I, was, I was dead now I'm alive. That I was addicted, but then he set me free. That I was hopeless, but then I found a hope that doesn't disappoint. I was unfulfilled, but then he satisfied the longing in my soul. And I was tired and I was frustrated and I met a love that impacted the depths of my heart and the depths of my soul and it changed me from the inside out. And I just want you to know that. I want you to know that Jesus. I want you to have a relationship with him. And we'd invite our, our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our, our family members into this place. And I'll just let you in on it. When, when I get to the end of the service, I say with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place and you wanna have a relationship with God, not religion, a relationship, you wanna know his love, you wanna encounter his grace and his peace in your life, would you lift your hand to heaven? I'm gonna give you guys permission to peek, okay? Don't tell anybody though. And if you look over and you see that friend that you've been asking to come to church, when you see that neighbor that you've been loving on for the past three years, asking them to come to church and they've denied you, 557 times, but on the 558th time, they said yes. And you went, you will? And they came with you. And as their hand goes up and says, I want that. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I'm unfulfilled. I want that. And they lift their hand to heaven. How many of us know that's going to be your favorite church service ever? 
and it wasn't the worship song, and it wasn't the incredible preaching that you get week in and week out. Come on, somebody. It'll be that moment when you came into this building and the, the weight of your problems were heavy. But all of a sudden in that moment, you flipped from a temporary perspective and you said to yourself, this is what really matters. This person, this family, this marriage, this, pro this person that everybody else said couldn't, couldn't change, this person that everybody else gave up on just encountered the God who saves and heals and delivers. And our eternal focus is kicked in. And you're like, what problems? What heaviness? What issues? This is what really matters. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you, God. We thank you for who you are. Wow. Nobody loves us the way you do, God. You're too good, God. You've done too much, God. Nobody believes in us the way you believe in us. Maybe you came in today with some heaviness in your heart. Maybe there's a, a frustration on the inside of you. Maybe there's a weariness. Maybe there's an unfulfillment on your heart. And God would say, don't focus on trying to fix all of those things. Let's focus on something that far outweighs those things. That we wouldn't focus on the things under the sun. We would focus on the things of heaven. Set your heart on the things above. Set your mind on heaven. And I just want to pray. If you, maybe you came in with a heavy heart today. Can I just pray for you right away? Just would you... If, if you're in here or maybe you're watching online and you have a heavy heart, would you just lift your hand to heaven? Just acknowledge, man, I got some, I got some frustration I've been dealing with, some weariness on the inside. Mentally, man, I've just been exhausted. My mind has just been worn out. I've got some unfulfillment. I thought my life would be at a different place. God, you see the hands in this place. And we just declare, God, only you can touch the depths of who we are. And so our prayer today is search us, oh God. And know our hearts. Know our anxious thoughts, God. Here we are, God. Those places we don't let anybody else in. We, we rarely show them to anybody else, God. Search us. Here we are. We open our hearts before heaven because we know you are the answer to the, to the problems in our souls, in our hearts. Point out anything in us, God, that doesn't belong. It shouldn't be there. And help us, God. Lead us. Lead us. Lead us, God. Comfort. Comfort us, God. I pray peace in our hearts and our minds. I pray a godly perspective, a new way of thinking, a new heart, God. Lead us on the path of everlasting life. As we continue praying together, maybe you're here and you would say, I've never encountered a relationship with God. I've known about him. I've heard about him. I can tell you the story, but I've never surrendered my life. I've never surrendered my heart. Can I just tell you wherever you're at today, maybe you're listening to this in the country of Belize. Maybe you're in the Belize Central Prison. The thing that God wants and he desires more than anything else is your heart. Your heart. He wants to, you to know him. He wants to have a relationship with you that you encounter a love that changes you from the inside out. And if you would say, man, I've never had that, but you're, you feel this pull in your heart today. 
and you would lift your hand and say, here's my heart, God. I want to know you. Wherever you're at, would you lift your hand to heaven? I want a relationship with God. I want to know him. I want to encounter his joy and his love in my heart. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. God, forgive me of my sin. God, fill me with your spirit. Redeem me, restore me, renew me. My life and my heart is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not. That's what happens when you wait. What happens when you wait? They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. What happens when you wait? Oh, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. That's what happens when you wait. Oh, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk, not get weary. They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. What happens when you wait? So wait on the 
for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.